We're in a series called The Mission. Uh, around this time every year, for the last 18 years, uh, we've started the school, to get, uh, school year together talking about why we're here. It's really easy in church world to forget why we're doing this. It becomes another part of the week. Uh, maybe that was you this morning. You woke up, oh yeah, Sunday. Uh, I gotta get up early enough to be late to church and uh, <laughs> you know who you are. Anyway, uh, and, and hang out with those people on those black seats and, uh, and, and drive in and drive out and try not to get mad as uh, traffic doesn't you know, easily enter Kingsway. And, and it just becomes another part of your life without you having to think much about it. It happens. Uh, so we want to make sure we understand why we're here, what we're doing. So we're talking about the mission. The church has always been on mission. In fact, the reason the church exists is to accomplish the mission of God here on earth. It's been said many different ways in lots of different churches, the way we say it here. Everybody with me? Ready? It's going to show up on the screen. Here it comes. We live to glorify God by being disciples who make disciples. Now, some of you didn't join me on that, and that's just hurtful. Come on. I'm just starting. Give me some love here. Everybody, nice and loud. Ready? We live to glorify God by being disciples who make disciples. We live chiefly to glorify God. We are here, exist for the glory of God. Everybody with me? But the way that we do that, we've talked about that the first week, is we, in our own lives, seek to become the very best resemblances of Christ that we can. We want to displace who we are with him, to be his disciples, to follow him in the ways that we think and speak and act. But it doesn't just terminate with us. If you've thought that the Christian life is just this you know, uh, singular activity, your individual pursuit of him, you're wrong. You become a disciple so that you can be used as a disciple in making more disciples, whether it's inside the body of Christ or out there with the world that does not know him but desperately needs him. That's why we're doing this. So if you're just kind of habitually churchy and you're looking for a place to kind of just comfortably come and hang out and not progress personally or be used, you know, spiritually in the lives of others, find another church. Love you. Go somewhere else. There's lots of boxes you can go sit on a Sunday morning that have the same AC settings where you can be comfortable and not do anything for the glory of God and his kingdom. So... You're like, did he just uninvite me to church? I just uninvited you to church. If that's how it's going to be, listen, and I don't, I'm, some of you are like, wow, this guy's a jerk. Uh, I'm not. I'm just trying to be honest, right, true, real. We're about more than that. Need to be. And that's why we're talking about the mission in this series. Uh, today we want to talk about uh, one of the the table legs or the chair legs that our, our mission sits on. Everybody sitting comfortably in your chair right now? You know why? Four legs. That's how those things work. Bill, if I took one of those legs out, you think you'd be sitting up? No, you'd be over. You're right. That's how that works. And so when we live out our mission, we're living out our mission uh, rooted on these supports or these ideals, these values. Uh, the first one, we've got motions for them. Here we go. Everybody on the roller coaster with me? Who's on Shikra? Here we go. Uh, Everybody, uh, this is the, the sign for worship for us. Everybody say worship. worship. As we live out the mission, we live out in constant worship uh, to our God, the mission that he's given us. Second one, put your arms around somebody, this is, or yourself, if you're just by yourself. 
Now, around somebody, if you're able to do it, don't just go. But we're here to belong to each other. What's the first one? Some of you aren't doing it. And again, it's hurtful. I see you. I see you. Yeah, I'm pointing right at you. Get them up. Worship. And then what do we do? We belong. Don't make me come back there. I will totally come back there. We worship as we live out our mission. We belong to each other. We're going to talk about that one today. Next week, we're going to talk about this one, serving. We seek to serve God, his people, and his world with the lives that he's given us. What's the first one? What's the second one? What's this one? And then finally, this finger, make sure it's this finger, and these two fingers. We talk about uh, being disciples who make disciples and, and multiplying ourselves. One becomes two, right? And so uh, the first one is what? What's the next one? And then? And then? Not once. Did not move once. It's okay. Turn to someone next to you. We're going to talk about belonging today. Answer these questions. Who belongs to you and to whom do you belong? Who be- Thank you. If a, if a pastor asks a question, if a pastor asks a question, ask a question, answer with God. That's always a good one. And that's fine. Go, go further. Who in this world do you belong to and who belongs to you? Go ahead. Answer those questions with each other. Have a fun. All right, we're going to get to those answers in just a second. Some of you are listing off many people. You're very popular. That's very nice. Uh, let's, agree, let's agree about some things uh, just in the human construct. Anybody here believe that God made us as human beings? Now, some of you might not, and I'm glad you're here if you don't believe that, and, and we'll just continue to talk and hang out. Please stick around. But most of us in here, uh, we're, we're you know, with what the Bible says, that God created the heavens and the earth, and he created us. Who's with me? Anybody with me? Okay. Does anybody believe that God created us? to be in relationship with him. Anybody with me on that one? Okay, how many of you believe that God created us to be in relationship with each other? Okay, good, and and I I think we're well-founded in our understanding of that. It says in the Bible that God created the first man. His name was Adam. You know what Adam means in Hebrew? Dirt. It's because Adam was made from the dust and God breathed into the dirt and, uh, and, and man was formed in the image of God. And so if you know any Adams from now on, please call them dirt. It's just, it's their name. All right. um, But then God looks at Adam. He's gotten done naming all of the animals in Genesis chapter two. And he looks at Adam and God has this conversation with himself. We'll talk about that in a second. God exists as three in one. And so he says, let us, and he's not being tricky with his pronouns. He's just saying, uh, we who exist in communal relationship perfectly, eternally, let us create this option, this this uh, you know, opportunity for, for this human who has been created in our image. Let's create relationship. And so he creates from the side of the man, that's what Eve means, rib, okay, side, he creates a woman. And, and most of the time when pastors preach about Adam and Eve, they talk about marriage because rightfully so, they're the first marriage, the two shall become one flesh, uh, you know, and, and uh, all the things that it says in Genesis 2. But don't miss... Just the general relationship that was created when the one human became two. And those two humans uh, were certainly the first marriage, and their command from God was to go forth and multiply, make more humans. 
If, uh, if you're here today, you were made by other humans. How's it going? Hope I'm not like, you know, uh, breaking your brains on that. Hopefully you've been to health class, but that's how this works, right? And so from each other, the first human from the dirt, but every other human from other humans, including Eve from the rib, right? And all of the humans have, uh, you know, generated from each other all of these, you know, thousands and, and hundreds, whatever, how many thousands of years. And, and here we are because God has designed us to be like him, to live in relationship with each other. And so I asked you a few seconds ago, who do you belong to? Most people probably started with family. Who started with family? Anybody start with like my husband or my wife or my, my parents or my you know, my kids, anybody start with family? Just me? Okay, good. Uh, certainly, God created families. They're the building blocks of all society. They are uh, the beginnings of relationships. We're born into these familial relationships. I pray yours are good. They're not always great, um, but that certainly is uh, step one in relationship in God's creation. But we also can meet people outside our families. We call them friends. Did anybody talk about some friends that you belong to or friends that belong uh, you know, in life to you. Uh, certainly, it's great that God gives us you know, a variety of people to hang with. Anybody here got a friend? Who's got a friend? Anybody got at least one? Okay, good. Me too. Uh, I like my friends. Um, you, know, you, you get to pick your friends and pick your nose. What's, anyway, but there's a, but you can't pick your friend's nose. That's a dumb old saying. But, uh, but you get to go out there and pick your friends and find the people that you have, you know, uh, uh, like interests with, and, and the people who feed your soul and, and you feed theirs. It's really great, right, these relationships. Um, certainly, you can be, have friends and friendships within the body of Christ, but there's, there's something unique to us that is not shared by the rest of the world. Everybody else can have a family and does. Everybody else can have friends, and most do, right? But in the body of Christ, we have something that uh, people outside of the body of Christ can never experience. It's called fellowship. Fellowship. I remember growing up and hearing that, you know, word usually sandwiched in with like food, fun, and fellowship, right? And I was just like, Ugh, you know, uh, I just never liked the idea or the word fellowship, but I'm learning to love it because it's a unique experience for those who are in Christ. We talked about it when we were studying 1 John a few months ago. John, who's writing a church that's struggling with its relationships. There's lots of division and different ideas. And so he starts right out of the gate in his letter saying, hey, guys, the whole reason that we came to you with the message of Jesus Christ was so that you might have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, but that you might have a relationship with each other. He says it this way in 1 John chapter 1. He says, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have, say it with me, fellowship with us, the other believers who preceded you in the faith. We want you to experience this very unique thing that only happens within the body of Christ. We want you to have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. That, that's what makes it unique. It's a fellowship marked by uh, a relationship with God through his Son, Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a fellowship of the Spirit of God that knits us together. And I can tell you, that it's unique because uh, you, you can go anywhere in the world and you can find other followers of Jesus Christ and experience this fellowship with them, even if you don't even know them. I used to get on planes as a younger pastor and fly across the world for the first time to places like Uganda, Africa. Uh, I only had like, uh, this is way back in the day, so like a few emails with some of our hosts there. 
And, uh, and I'd be like, hey, we're going to land, uh, you know, in Entebbe, Uganda at like 1.30 in the morning, jet lag like all get out. Uh, how do we know where to find you? And they said, well, we'll hold up a sign with your name on it. And, and so I'm leading a bunch of high school students on this trip, and we walk off this plane, and there's my name, Saunders. And uh, it's Moses and Rose, his wife, right? And, and then uh, a few others uh, that I didn't even know were going to be there, but they were there to help us with our luggage and stuff like that. And we're walking out of this airport, and we don't know each other. We're from different countries. We don't have a sh- the same culture in common, right? Now, lots of these people, uh, English speakers, but I've been in other situations in other countries where we don't even share a language. And there's interpreters that are kind of going in between us, right? But what we do share is a love for Jesus. And that love for Jesus and having Christ in us is all that we need to have everything that we need in common. Are you with me? We stand outside of these airports and strangers hold hands around luggage. And as we launch into whatever we're going to do for the next couple weeks, we pray to the same God that they woke up and prayed and studied uh, uh, about in their Bibles, and that we woke up and prayed to and studied about in our Bibles. And we have this uh, inexorable, intrinsic commonality. His name is Jesus. And it's the fellowship of the body of Christ that we have been gifted, called to, and that I want to talk to you about today. See, too many Christians... Uh, have a misunderstanding, a, a, a misconception of what the church really is. In fact, you might have been among them today. Uh, you woke up this morning and you said to yourself, I need to go to church. Church for you is this building or that building where your kids sit. Uh, now we got this cool lid in between. It's nice. But it's the physical plant. It's the place. But obviously, if you've been around church for long enough, you know that the church is not a structure. The church is us. We're the church. So you're going to a service or to a, a location that is going to house for an hour or so the church, but it's not church. We're the church. Too many Christians settle for just going to church. Like I said as we started today, it's really easy to make this just kind of a box that you check off, a thing that you do. In some people, we kind of have this whole ability to create some folk theology. I call it folk theology. We make God stuff up in our head, like here's the economy that I exist in with me and God. And, as, and some of you might have come this morning thinking, as long as I go to church, he'll leave me alone. Or as long as I go to church, he'll bless me. It's like this, you know, coin-operated machine. I put in my attendance, God does what I need him to do. Okay? That's not how this is working. It's not how it's ever worked, in case you've thought that's what the history of the church has been about. I'm obliged to be here. Here I am. No, you get to be here. It's a blessing to be a part of the fellowship of the body of Christ. You don't go to church. You are the church. We need to understand and strive to be the church together to each other in relationships to belong as God would have us belong. We need it because uh, certainly for the social interaction, love hearing about churches that go on dinners together and hang out together and do life together. You, you, you know, maybe you have kids around the same age and you're just, you're just you know, in each other's lives, socially interacting, it's awesome. But it's so much more than that. When, when the body of Christ comes together, there's crisis support. Not just social interaction, but support. You know, there's a lady in her church, her name's Beverly, and she was my admin for the first 10 years or so that I was uh, working here. Uh, 
I love Beverly, and many of you who know her love her as well. Uh, but Beverly's gone through a rough stretch. Uh, as she's aged, uh, she's gone through the loss of her beloved husband, Schmitty, who worked here as well. Uh, we, uh, uh, you know, uh, sent him off uh, to his uh, place in glory a few years ago, and, and so Beverly's been a widow, and she's been working through all that that is. As she's aged, she's had more and more health issues. Uh, it's become apparent that she can't continue to care for herself in her own home, so she sold her home, a widow who's not going to live where she's lived all these years. Uh, she had a, a spill recently, uh, needed some surgery for her back. And so this past week, uh, she was in the hospital getting this surgery. I go to visit her. Uh, hey, how you doing? Love her and just so grateful. She, she got through the surgery fine. She should recover and rehab just fine and then, you know, transition from there to the next place that she's going to live. But we were talking about, you know, these recent events. And uh, uh, she started first with her family. She's got some great daughters and, uh, and other family members that are taking care of her. But the next thing out of her mouth, you know what it was? I love my life group. She's been surrounded by people for years, long before I got here, who have walked in life with her in this fellowship that I'm describing to you. United for their, you know, through their love for Christ, they've just become each other's family. To where as she's walked through all of these things, uh, the members of her life group who love her have stood next to her. Her life group leader was at the church, or at the church, at the hospital the whole day during her surgery. And here's why, we, here's why I'm making a big fuss about this. Your church staff, your pastors, we can't possibly provide that kind of support and care for everybody in our church. There's too many of you. It's not going to work. I mean, I, you seem like very nice people. I'd love to know all of you intimately. But it's just not possible. Humanly speaking, for me to be in life with every one of you. So it is that God has created the church to find uh, its family within the family, to find its people within the people, to be surrounded by those that are yours and you are theirs. So that sure, you can hang out and have the social interaction, but you can find the support you need when life breaks. You can find the, the spiritual enrichment that, that goes beyond us hanging out online on a Sunday for an hour, or are you hanging out in this room? You need to be disciples who make disciples, and a lot of that happens within these belonging fellowship relationships that you and I are meant to have. So many of you already do. Now, if you get, get really good at it, you could know each other well enough where you could start to even address the sins that could separate you guys from God and from each other in loving and truthful ways to where something that could become a problem ceases to be a problem because someone loves and knows you so well that they bring it up to you and you deal with it before it becomes the great you know, five-alarm fire that so many things become. Are you with me? It's called accountability. It's an intimacy that God desires for his people to have, not with every person, but with the people that he gives them to belong to, that they might belong to them. Uh, I love our Bibles uh, because they keep circling back on these major themes. We talked about worship last week. We talked about multiplying. The New Testament especially just keeps harping on, uh, you know, multiplication and worship and, and belonging. If you read the epistles, which are those letters that are in the back half of the New Testament, Paul wrote a bunch of them, Peter, John, some of these other apostles. But they're letters almost always to churches who are wrestling with all kinds of issues, false teachings and but, but, but almost always, whether it's the false teachings that are dividing them, uh, the core issue is that they're not staying together. 
They're not belonging to each other and to the things that God would have them experience in life. And so the, the, the epistles are written. Hey, guys, get back together. Like, like Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. And Ephesus is doing pretty good. Timothy's the pastor there. Uh, things are going okay. Uh, but Paul writes them, and in chapter 4 of his letter to the Ephesians, he says, I, therefore, he's a prisoner, he's in prison, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling for which you have been called. He starts with the list, with all humility. This calling that you have in, in life with Christ starts with you staying low. Everybody in here, submit to God, and as we're going to see, submit to each other. Because he goes from humility, I want you to walk in humility, with all humility, and then he starts talking about the attributes of relationships. I want you to live in gentleness with each other. I want you to live with patience for each other. I want you to bear with one another in love. I want you to be eager in life with each other to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Paul writes this church and he says, hey guys, stay low. Why? Principally so that you can be useful to each other. Helpful, gentle, patient, loving. So that you can stay together as the body of Christ is meant to. Experiencing the peace that binds when the spirit is in charge. He goes on, he shares uh, seven one statements all the while emphasizing the unity that's meant to be experienced, the togetherness, the belonging that's meant to be experienced in the church. He says in verse four, there's one body, that's the church. There's one spirit, that's the Holy Spirit. Just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, that's our hope in God. Through our faith in Jesus Christ, we've been given hope in this life and in the life to come, amen? Who's with me on that? He says, you have one Lord, that's Jesus. You have one faith, it's in Jesus. You have one baptism. Some of you are like, sprinkle or dunk. <laughs> it's not talking about methods there. He's talking about baptizo, baptism, the identification that we have in Christ, in his spirit. We have this one ID. It's that we are together because of the grace of God through Jesus. He says there's one God. Everybody pick up the Trinity there. He starts with the Spirit. He goes to the Lord. That's the Son. And he goes, there's one God and Father. He's the God and Father of all. He's over all and through all and in all. Seven ones. In seven ways, Paul teaches this church, Ephesus, and this church, Bay Life. Hey, man, stay low so you can stay together. Walk this walk, live out this call in humility so that you can be gentle, patient, love, patient, loving, bound together by the Spirit. We got one church. We got one Spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one hope, one Father, and we are one in him. So today you're going to have an opportunity to become a part of a life group. And I, I should have caught myself right there. <laughs> okay, can I put a pause in the sermon? Yeah. I'm putting a pause. Can I share a pastor pet peeve? Yeah. A lot of times you guys, as you listen to me, think that the things that I'm sharing with you are options. Suggestive. Like, here's a great idea, right? It's like when you come to your mail. Has anybody ever gone to their mail? and uh, grabbed all their mail and been like, 
Uh, what do we got today? This is the mail that comes to me here at our church. Uh, yes, churches get junk mail, right? Um, so, so here it comes. And it's, uh, uh, well, this is an opportunity for me to be a part of something that's happening here in Tampa. I'm not going to go. Um, uh, here's another conference. Not going there either. Here's another conference. This is one of my favorite. Yeah, here it is. Senior pastor. Well, that's intimate right there, isn't it, right? They don't even know my name. But whatever's in here, they want me to do it, right? And, and all of these are opportunities. I don't have to act on them. They're like the coupons that come to your box, right? Buy our tacos. I don't know if you, you know, make much of those things. But usually, I, I have uh, my, my, my uh, uh, mailbox is right next to our garbage can, almost, you know, always on the day. And I just stand there and just... And, and I just throw out most of this stuff. But then I'll come to something. Oh, here it is, right here. This is my tax bill. Anybody got their tax bill lately? Yeah. It could be the tax bill, it could be any other bill, right? It doesn't have pre-sorted first class over here in the corner. There's actually postage on there, you know? And that, you slow down on that stuff, don't you? Why? Because uh, if it's a tax bill, if it's, if it's another bill, uh, this is actionable. I have to do something about this. It's not an option. It's not a suggestion, an opportunity for me to take advantage of. This is a requirement for my life, a requirement in such a way that if, if I don't act on this, there's repercussions. Things will not go right in my financial world if I ignore all my bills. Is everybody with me on that? Some of you are like just catching on to that in adulthood. That's a fact, okay? Pay your bills. They'll find you. And so without making this, this drudgery obligation, I do want to affirm to everybody here that when I preach this message or any other message from the imperatives that we have from God's word to his church, I'm not making a suggestion. I'm not providing for you some options. Because so many people come to the things of God's word and they say, oh man, that'd be great if I could just fit it in. Like Paul's writing, and hey, hey guys, I just, scatter shooting here. What if we all hung out together as followers of Jesus Christ? How great would that be, right? We could pray together. We could learn the Bible together. We could encourage each other. And iron sharpens iron. You remember that from Proverbs, right? We could do all these great things. What do you think? Do you think that how, that's how Paul's writing? Okay, if you do, you're wrong. And let me help you understand. In the same way, that the instructions at the beginning of, a, of, a, of an air flight or a, or a, a cruise ship experience just kind of get like, meh, 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 right? All right, the masks will drop down. Okay, if the thing starts sinking, I'm supposed to go to this boat, right? No one ever thinks that that's going to happen until it happens. And then people are scurrying for the card in the front of the seat, right? And they're trying to figure stuff out. And there are things that God commands of us because he knows far more frequently than airplanes fall out of the sky or ships sink to the bottom of the ocean, life in your world breaks. And the commands that he has given us are for those moments where his good will not be realized if we are not in obedience, in alignment with the things that he's called us to chiefly belonging to other believers in life. Do not, please, do not come to this church 
anonymously for the whole time that you're here, hiding in these black chairs, slipping in, slipping out, and having nothing to do with anybody else that goes here. Do not have the mindset that that being in life with other believers, whether it's in a life group or some other form, is an option for you. Do not have that me first Americanism that is, hey man, if this benefits me, I'll get involved. Can I just go to the other end of this conversation for a second with you? Has it ever occurred to you that you need to be in a life group for those who are in the group? That God might want to use you in the life of someone else in such a way that it's going to bridge their gap and lead them to the next things that he has for them. So often we come to church like Americans and we're like, well, if it doesn't benefit me, I don't care. And the body of Christ has been told, humble yourselves. Get low and think about everybody else out here and the ways that God might use you in their lives. Put that in your theological pipe and smoke it. Because here's the deal. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about the body needing each other in, in terms of just our bodies themselves. Like the eye doesn't look at the ear and say, I don't need you. You know, the ear doesn't say uh, to the eye, you know, uh, we're fine without. It, 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 everything uh, that has been given to the body of Christ, every person that's been given to the body of Christ is, is meant for a purpose, is there for a reason. Uh, I went to our, our den closet and I found all of these analog entertainment experiences. Anybody remember playing board games? Yeah, this is Connect Four. It's a great one. Uh, puzzles. Who remembers puzzles? Anybody remember puzzles? Yeah, this is a 500-piece. I think my mom did this at Christmas a couple years ago. Just spread it right out on the kitchen table and was done in like an hour. No, that's not true. It took a while. Uh, I grew up angry Baptist, so we never had these growing up because uh, they were the devil. Oh, <gasps> right? But, uh, but I love me some card games. I'll, I'll play spades, hearts, anything with cards. I love poker, sorry. Anyway, uh, 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 okay, so, so these are all in the, in the den closet at our house, right? Uh, but the first thing I ever, or I do when I'm getting ready to play a card game is I, I, I pull all the cards out and I count them. Is, is there 52 there? Like a lot of times I'll even separate them by suits, 13 of each four, right? Why do I do that? Because games are meant to be played with full decks, there's jokes about that. You're not playing with a full deck. Anyway, uh, I, I, I used to have this game, Mousetrap. Anybody remember Mousetrap? Oh, yeah. oh, wow. Oh, wow. Great. So Mousetrap is one of these weird games. If you've never seen it, you can Google it. Google it right now. I don't care. we got Wi-Fi. Anyway, uh, uh, Mousetrap was this game that you would build as you were playing it. But woe to the household that would lose parts of the Mousetrap. Because the mousetrap wouldn't work without those parts. Who remembers this? I remember we lost the diver. Everybody remember the guy who would stand on the diving board? And, and, and so the way mousetrap would work is the marble would come down and all these things would spring and pop and all that stuff. But if you didn't have the diver, you weren't going to catch the mouse. The little cage wasn't going to come down. Oh, right? Anybody ever started a 500-piece puzzle and found out it was 487? Anybody been on that puzzle? <laughs> right? You're like, who took those pieces? And here's the point in all this stuff. Decks of cards, games we play, puzzles we put together. It's all got to be there or it's just not right. And the body of Christ is the same way. Listen, 
If you are staying away from relationships for whatever reason, time crunches. Is everybody here busy? Okay, I'm busy too. Guess what I make time for? Two life groups a week. Why? Because we all organize our schedules around what we think matters most. And for the life of me, I can't understand why some Christians can't understand that belonging matters most. So whatever your excuse, time, I'm not friendly, (laughs) Uh, uh, I don't know if they'll accept me, whatever. Listen, I know it's scary. I know relationships are petrifying at times, and starting them is really hard, but here's the deal. Once you enter into them, all 500 pieces of the puzzle can be put together. All of the cards are in the deck. It's not always going to be perfect. You're not always going to get along. You're not always going to agree with the body of believers that you find yourself belonging to, but at least you'll belong. You'll be there. And as we'll talk next week, you'll, you'll be able to use the gifts that God has given you to, to edify that body, to serve the body, to serve him. You've got to be involved. You've got to be engaged. Being the church means we belong to each other. I'll close with just a, a quick uh, dip into Hebrews. Uh, the book of Hebrews is fascinating. I encourage everybody to read it this year if you haven't after a while. Um, it's, uh, we don't know exactly who wrote it, but it's written to a bunch of Jewish Christians in the first century who were teetering on the edge of leaving the faith that they had in Jesus Christ. I don't know if you can picture this, but in the first century, um, uh, the Jews were being persecuted by the Roman Empire. Like in 70 AD, around the time that, that Hebrews was probably written, uh, the Romans came in and they just knocked the temple down in, in Jerusalem. And they burned the city. Uh, it's a huge part of uh, uh, the Roman Empire's history. They just uh, became antagonistic against all of their, uh, not all, but many of their conquered peoples. And the Jews were one of them. So it was hard to be a Jew. It was super hard to be a Christian who had been a Jew. Because you got Rome against you. And they start, you know, like uh, uh, sticking Christians on poles and, and using them as torches. Sorry, enjoy your lunch. Um, But then you've got the Jews that you came from who crucified Jesus and are dead sense against you joining the way, the following of Jesus. And so it was just so hard for these early Christians to stay in the faith. And so the writer of Hebrews sits down and eloquently, beautifully um, defends Christ to these early Jewish Christians, saying he's superior to the Jewish faith, to Moses, to angels, to all these. He's superior to the law. He just, it, it's a long nine chapters of study, but it's awesome. And then he gets to chapter 10 and he pivots, like so many of the people who write letters in the Bible do. They, they talk for a long time and then they say a therefore. And in verse 19, uh, the writer of Hebrews says therefore. And in the long run of things that he says, the therefore, four, <laughs> He gets to verse 23, which is the whole reason he wrote the letter. In 1023, the writer of Hebrews says this to these Christians who are about to tap out. He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. The simple message of Hebrews is, hey, Jewish Christians who are thinking of leaving, stay. Hold fast. Sailors used to tattoo that on their knuckles knowing the storms were coming, it would be a reminder to them to hold fast. Other translations of this are hold unswervingly. Keep it between the lines, right? 
straight on in this faith that you have. You know what he says two verses later is the chief means by which they can hold fast to the faith, hold fast to the one who is faithful? In verse 25, it says this, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing. I find that fascinating. He doesn't say, make sure you have your personal quiet time. He doesn't say, make sure you listen to the right podcast. Make sure you have the right translation of the Bible. He doesn't say anything about you individually, personally pursuing Christ. He says to these Christians, hey, y'all, do not forget to hang. Be with each other. Some are in the habit of staying away. But if you're going to hold fast in this faith, it's going to be because you understand that Christianity is a team sport, that you need each other. You don't just need Jesus. You need the people of Jesus. I know it's been hard in the last two or three years with COVID and all the craziness that that's brought to our world for people to maintain the habits that uh, God wants them to have in life with him. Some of you, you know, all of us were not here at some point, uh, but, you know, slowly there's been people rejoining us. But there was some, still, you know who they are, who went and don't go anymore, who were a part of the body of Christ and have just figured out, you know, there's other things I can do with my Sunday. There's other things I can do with my time. And that, in your heart and in your mind, if it's you or someone you know, should be like, Danger Will Robinson. Why? Because if you let go of the people of Christ, guess who's next? Christ himself. So the writer of Hebrews says, hey, man, do not neglect meeting together. Instead, belong so you can stir and be stirred. Look what it says in verse 24. He says, belong so you can stir and be stirred. Let us consider how we uh, could stir up one another to love and good works. I love that word. It's paroxysmos. not going to make you say it, but it's the Greek word for agitate. I was thinking about this last night when I was preaching this. Anybody got a washer in their house? Washes your clothes? Uh, mine doesn't have it anymore, but they used to have these like sticks that would come out of the middle of them. You know what I'm talking about? And you would fashion the clothes around that thing. You know what that thing's called? It's the agitator. And that thing brushes up against your clothes with all the soap and stuff in there, and that's how your, that's how your clothes got clean until they figured out the newfangled ways to do them, you know? But I love that picture of the agitator. You know what it is when we get together? We're that little stick in your washer. And I rub up against Bill, and Bill rubs up against me, and we talk about Jesus, and we challenge each other with our own lives, and all of a sudden we walk out of there stirred up. And i got to go do this and be this for the glory of God and for the sake of my family and my fellowship, right? That's what it is to be together. That's why it says in Proverbs that iron sharpens iron. Is anybody sharpening a knife lately? It's not a super comfortable thing, I'm guessing, for the knife, Right? Parts of it are being kind of honed and, and, and rubbed off. And, and sometimes it's, well, not sometimes, all the time when the body of Christ gets together, I hope I do that for you. I hope I'm bugging you. I hope I'm agitating you a little bit, shaking you to wake you, right? Let's do this if we're going to do this. And that only happens when the body of Christ does not forsake gathering together, but they join together and spur each other on. You need to belong so you can be stirred and stir. And then you need to belong so you can encourage and be encouraged. The writer of Hebrews says, we should not stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, verse 25, but we should encourage one another. 
Not just stir up, but comfort and encourage and be there. Listen, God created you to be there for someone. If you've been in a life group, you've had those experiences, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You notice I said God did not create others to be there for you. That's true as well. But I want you to understand, if you are not in the relationships that God has called you to, commanded you to, you are removing yourself from the encouragement equation that you're meant to be in someone's life for. Make sense? He says, the day is drawing near. That's capital D day. He's talking about the end is coming. I think a lot of times because churches are just, you know, convinced that I can get to that. It's just an opportunity. It's another option. I know I can walk out of here past the group links table and just not take advantage of it another year. All right. And they do that because I'll get to it some other time. Hey, what if Jesus comes back? You're like, great, good. Let's go. Let's get out of here. Yes, I'm with you. But what if, what if, shouldn't we live as if the day is coming, not for today, but for the day? Shouldn't we live like this stuff matters? It does. And so when he commands us to be in life with each other, let's do it because the day is approaching. Uh, I had a ladder growing up. didn't look like this. It wasn't made out of aluminum. They've just done these marvels in modern technology. Like this thing will never break like my ladder broke. I had this wooden one. Anybody ever have a wooden step ladder? It was like so old that like it didn't even have like these flat treads. It had like the, the dowels, you know what I'm talking about? They just put like this, this really fat dowel in there. In the, in the, and, and so I had like six dowels going up to the top of this thing. And uh, wood is not as strong as aluminum, and so large males uh, who tread on these treads uh, can start to weaken to the point that eventually one of them will break. Well, three of our treads on this ladder had broken. Guess which ones? This one, this one, and this one. So we had these two treads on the ladder. If you wanted to use this stepladder, you had to run across the kitchen and get a start, run and start, right? So you can, right? Eventually, we just, you know, got another ladder. But I was thinking about that and how God has given the church itself to get a leg up, to move further in discipleship, to become who we're meant to be in Christ. And sometimes that ladder is missing some treads. The rungs have not shown up so that the whole body can move in the direction that God has it to go. And that's what I'm talking to you about. Hey, man, you are necessary. Not just called out of sin and into the grace that God has given you through Christ, but called by Christ to Christ and to his people. You are necessary in us moving in the direction God wants us to go. So you've got to find your people. Our chief means of doing that is through life groups. I pray you find one today as you go. But if not that, find somewhere, somehow, the people of Christ that you can know and be known by, that you can love and be loved by, that you can encourage and be encouraged by, that you can stir and be stirred by. All right, that's it. Will you stand with me as we close? God, your grace is amazing. It goes way beyond what we could ever ask or think, certainly deserve. You have, uh, in your grace, through Christ, 
brought those of us who know you into saving faith. You have given us life anew with you. I pray that those who don't know you today, uh, you know, and don't know Jesus in, in, in faith would find you, that that'd be their first step. But for all of us who do know you, there's lots of us in here, I want to thank you first of all for the many who have understood the importance of belonging and currently belong in life groups or in groups of some kind to each other. Thanks for that, God. Uh, but for all of us, that call stands as true. You have called all of us who know you to be in life with other believers. So lead us to who those believers are, not just so that we can benefit, but so that we can be a benefit, an agent of your grace to your people for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Go find a group. God bless you as you do. Have a great week.